0: Simpler communications.
1: Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L. J. Lafira. Soon will also be Brandon Karam. We are going to do another one of those. I think we've only done it like twice, but we're going to be doing a split podcast due to scheduling constraints. So I will be taking one of the ALDS games today. I'll be talking about the Red Sox and the Rays, and Brandon will take the Chicago-Houston series on his recording, and we'll throw, of course, I've thrown it all together for you all. But Let's go ahead and dive on into this. This was the primetime game, 8 o'clock, start on FS1, Fox, Fox. I don't remember which channel it was on immediately. That detail doesn't feel that important. But anyway, the Tampa is able to get out to a very strong start and pretty well coast through the rest of this game, winning 5 nothing. Give the win to Shane McClanahan. Five innings, five hits, shutout with three strikeouts. The loss will be given to Eduardo Rodriguez. He goes an inning in two-thirds, allowing two hits, two earned, two walks, and a strikeout. Not his best day. Look, this is the point in the year where you need him to step up. You need him to figure things out, and he just did not do that today. In this case, it's just – embarrassing for Erod to come out here and just genuinely not look like he had it. It wasn't there. I mean, a lot of people certainly will give him or give Cora crap for pulling him after 41 pitches when he'd only given up to earned. first off to earned is a lot when you're pitch playing against a team like Tampa with some of the guys that they have coming out of this bullpen you need to keep the game as close as possible. And if Cora didn't think that he'd get that out of Erod today, I will stand by that because this was not, this wasn't the game to be messing around with that. Keep in mind now he didn't get through two innings. He'd already had four runners. Um, Yeah, four runners on base over an inning and two thirds. That is just a recipe for disaster. And what it effectively does is, he goes to Garrett Richards. John G gets that last out of the inning, and then he hands it over to Nick Pavetta for four and two-thirds. Really, I would say a strong start out of him. For a guy that you are slotting in to hopefully be a back end of the rotation guy for the next several years and be a strong contributor from that spot, this is a great outing out of the bullpen. Four and two-thirds, three earned. That's basically a good start. That's an, that's an out away from being – a really good start from Pavetta. If he were at five, five innings, three earned, you would never begrudge a starter for throwing that. So I don't see any reason not to have that with Pavetta. With the way things looked, Pavetta absolutely should be starting game four. If it comes down to that, that felt, felt like a big if with how this game went because this This felt pretty safely in the hands of Shane McClanahan, although the numbers don't feel like they dominated on that regard. Like five hits, five innings, um, no walks, but still that's a whip of one on the day. That doesn't seem like it's that dominant with three strikeouts, but it always felt in control. It never felt like it was all that threatening, I guess, would be fair to say with that. Look, let's go through some of the offensive numbers real quick because there were certainly some lines here that were really, really solid. Again, Xander Bogarts continuing to really step up here as well as Kyle Schwarber. Both go two for four in this game. Fantastic day. Christian Arroyo, two for three on the day as well. Really well done by them, but you did not get enough consistent work from everybody else Rafi Devers look I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because you've been so amazing all year every every year and particularly down this last stretch you were great last game you were great against Washington that whole series one for four with all of the run runners that you were getting on base with Arroyo you had Arroyo in there you had um, Schwarber you had Bogarts all within three batters of you or three or four batters of you you have to be able to execute on a couple of those clutch ones and it ended up with five left on base for Devers and five left on base for Renfro as well who also went one for four the difference being Devers struck out twice so this is not a very good look for him but why don't we go ahead over to the team that did things right in this one I'm gonna start with a couple interesting ones before I go to the Absolute heavy mammoth hitter of this group. Let's start with Mike. Or, oh, my gosh. Wander Franco. I don't know. Do not know where my head is today. Forgive me. Wander Franco here gets the game started off right. Hits an RBI double in this one. I believe he had, I believe both of his hits today were doubles. He drives in that one run but also strikes out once. This is a very good first playoff start for Wander, defense solid as always. I just I can't believe that that narrative was here at the beginning of the year. When he came up at first, maybe it was just the offense getting in his head, but he struggled mightily on the defensive side, made that shift over to play quite a bit of third base while Taylor Walls was up um, at that point eight games, sixty two innings during that stretch, and then eventually moves to being an absolute full time. Uh, shortstop after Walls gets pulled, maybe I think that would have been what? Uh, mid July, that he goes back to triple A. Since then, he has been lights out defensively, and that's in a lot of respects carrying his numbers. Because, I mean, great, and not carrying, I'm sorry, he's got a 129 OPS plus that is nothing to shock at, gawk at 800 OPS. You have to love those numbers, but the defense just makes it so much more valuable. The defense is the reason that he's averaging one eight point one WAR per one hundred sixty-two games through this regular season. So it just those are crazy numbers. The defense has been crazy good for him since then, and he really came up and stepped up clutch here. Also, we got to acknowledge the RBI that came in by the bat of Nelson Cruz hitting another one of his patented home runs. This one, another one of those, you know, fun, hokey, amusement park, carnival-type home runs at the Trop. This one goes off one of the scaffolding. But let me tell you, I have no argument for this not being a home run because this would have been – it would have been more embarrassing to see how far that ball actually would have gone than it would have been to – to have it hit the scaffolding and that be a home run. I will take that kind of dink and dunk type of a home run any day for at least my morale. All in all, this was a very good day across the lineup. I think for Tampa, they only get six hits, but they execute when they need to. They only, yeah, they only had 10 base runners in this game. Uh, Boston had nine because Actually, that's, that's the bigger story. I hadn't even noticed watching it. The Rays did not walk a batter today. Honestly, though, now let that sink in for a moment because I'm trying to do that right now. How did the Red Sox not draw a walk today? You can't tell me it's not it's because they don't have threatening players in this lineup. This group um, one through five is a scary group to see, especially with how some of these guys have been playing. Now that Kike Hernandez is back to being hot and being a true leadoff hitter like he kind of started the year with and then tapered off for most of the early part of the season, I don't really want to see any of this top five through from Hernandez to Renfro. That's not something I would prefer to see. So you'd think they'd have to be pitching around them, but instead of any walks, we end up with five strikeouts there and that ultimately out outdoes the on-base numbers. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Correction. The Rays do have an error in this game. Let me see if I can find if it was what it was. It was a fielding error by Brandon Lau. So, yeah, that probably brought in a runner. So, it was – all right, yeah, it was an even game on the runners. I'm sorry I'm not um, totally coherent with this take right now. But the point I'm getting to is – the runners in this game were even. If the runners in this game are even, then why is this a five-nothing game? This is a five-nothing game because guys did not step up in the clutch when they needed to in this game. They came out flat for the Red Sox. This cannot happen again. This is not going to be a result that you can recover from if this happens with Sale on the Mound in game two. Sale cannot fall flat. I'm telling you right now, he cannot do that and have us have any hope of winning if we are going to win this series we need to take this one at the trop today and then we have to go home and take care of business there as well because if we do that that means chris sale back at the trop game five if you proved it the first time he'll prove it the second time i'm sure so look out for that but now we have the big story of the game and the first part of my favorite segment and theme of the day And that is that LJ was right. I love hearing the sound of it. I can't wait to listen tomorrow and hear Brandon say it because I have been all over this ALDS round so far, starting with the guy that I said was flat out going to win this series if Tampa wins this series. Guys, playoff Randy is back, and he is back with a vengeance. One for two in this game. Three runs scored. Another run driven in, and two walks. He goes. That's a two a two seventy five or no two two point seven five zero OPS on the day. Five hundred batting average, of course, with those walks. This is an insane line for Randy Arena, and that's before you count in the fact that that one home run was a absolute bullet off Nick Pavetta in that fifth inning drives in that, that key run. And then his even crazier one of the day here was he gets to third base here. I want to say it was the sixth or seventh inning. Uh, Let us see. It was not the sixth. Um Yes, it was the it was the seventh, two outs, bottom of the seventh. After a Wander Franco double, the second double of the game, Randy Rosarena ends up at third base, and wouldn't you know it, the guy manages to steal home on Josh Taylor. That's just flat out embarrassing. That's what makes it a five nothing game. Look, Randy Rosarena did everything to win this game. The Red Sox did not do a thing to attempt to win this game, and that's what it comes down to. Also, keep in mind for his future lines, Randy Rosarena is now one one home run and one stolen base on this postseason. This is very similar to his regular season where he hit 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. So this is is just such a good day from Randy Rosarena. I am – I'm incredibly captivated by the way he has been able to perform in the postseason these past two years, because he's coming out just as hot. It's almost like he has a second gear for when he gets into this mode. And I don't want to see it against the Sox, but I really want to see it. Um, Other than that, I'm going to take the opportunity to give our non-baseball moment of the day, because this is frankly something I would rather talk about than the Red Sox getting absolutely demolished by the Rays today. It was kind of embarrassing. So I'm going to talk about what I had on the other TV in the room I was in. And that was the U.S. men's national team's big, gigantic, huge win over Jamaica in, I want to say it was in Nashville. I could be wrong, Um, but that's not important for the World Cup qualifying final. And we have a bona fide star on our hands once again. Last qualifying cycle, it was Pulisic. Now Pulisic is the leader of this team, not here for this window because of injury, but we have once again, another young guy who's coming in and setting the world on fire. I am talking about Ricardo Pepe of FC Dallas. The dude is an absolute machine. He scores both of the goals in this one as they win 2-0. And I kid you not, if you don't watch soccer, I gar- I beg, I plead for you to watch Monday night. I want to say it's should be 7.30. I'm not sure. You'll have to check that one for yourself. But I know it's on ESPN2. Monday night, there will be the another one that isn't behind a paywall. Another game, I would be almost certain that Ricardo Pepe will be playing in it. And the guy's just electric. He has made such an impact, makes things happen. He came in to the last game of the last window and absolutely changed the game. He ends up with a goal and an assist in that in that one as they win their first one of this qualifying campaign. And then he comes in with two goals in this game. This dude is going to be special. This guy is going to be in high-level European football or soccer in... Very short time. Keep an eye out for him because this guy is amazing. He made my night much more enjoyable as I had to watch the Red Sox get their skulls kicked in. Well, I am going to send this on over to Brandon for his recap and conversation about the White Sox-Astros game, which, surprise, surprise, I was also right about as the Astros managed to win this one 6-1. See you manana.
0: All right, well, welcome back to the MLB Daily Podcast. LJ, thank you for doing that first part, talking about the Red Sox, our non-baseball moment of the day. I am going to be talking about Rays-Astros from yesterday. Uh, Very, very uh, interesting game. Very, uh, excuse me, not (laughs) Rays-Astros. Well, I am. I'm out of it right now. It is White Sox Astros. There we go. Um, yeah. Look, this. I've been hyping up the series. This series for quite a while. We had Lance McCullers going for Houston. Lance Lynn going for Chicago. Uh, prior to getting into the game, there was one pregame story. Uh, Jose Abreu. They weren't sure whether or not he was going to be playing as he did have some sort of uh, illness. He did test negative for COVID-19. The lineup did not come out until about an hour prior to game time. Uh, They just genuinely did not know if he was going to be okay to play or not. But as we do with these playoff games, we're going to basically go inning by inning. I was able to watch a good majority of this game. So I have a pretty good feel as to what happened. Uh, First inning, Not much happened. Both pitchers work one, two, three innings. Uh, Lance Lynn, like I said, I mean, he's one of my favorite pitchers to watch, as you guys know. And I thought he looked sharp in that first inning. So did Lance McCullers. Uh, I thought we were actually in for a really good pitchers duel here. Uh, That did not end up being the case, as we'll get into in the second inning, where Lance McCullers works uh, out of a jam. He strikes Agasmani Grandal, hits Luis Robert with a pitch. Eloy Jimenez then flies out. That's two outs. And then they catch Luis Robert stealing second base, Martin Maldonado with a beautiful throw to get him. And uh, that would be the inning as uh, the White Sox failed to score. Bottom of the second. Lance Lynn issues a leadoff walk to Jordan Alvarez. Carlos Correa singles him to second. Uh, Kyle Tucker, it's a deep line drive. Alvarez is able to advance to third. And then Jake Myers steps up and rips a single uh, that scores Alvarez. And it is 1 0 Houston after two innings. And this would just be the start of this Houston offense. We talked about all the time on the show this year, just how deep this lineup is and how good they've been the entire year. And uh, it, it really showed in this game. I don't even think you really need to, you know, there's not really much to say. You just look up and down this lineup. This offense is gonna put up runs. And I knew Lance Lynn was not gonna be able to shut them down the entire game but i thought he was going to pitch a little bit better than he did as we go into the third uh issues of leadoff walk to jose altuve uh michael brantley comes up with a sacrifice bunt which was really weird i mean that's his first sack bunt, i believe of his career if i uh remember correctly i'm going to actually check right now because i do i believe it does show on Um, baseball Ravens okay it is not his first sacrifice bunt of his career but his first with the Astros and remember he's been with them since the 2019 season so first in a very long time and it proved to be very very uh, useful here so that's only one out Altuve on second there's then a wild pitch which makes Altuve go to third Alex Bregman hits a little chopper to Yohan Moncada, who makes a very nice play. Now, remember, he's playing third. Altuve, right off the bat, starts running. Uh, And there's only one out, but he sees like a hard chopper into the ground. He thinks he can beat it out. Moncada spins and fires home. The throw does beat Altuve there, but Altuve with a very creative and nice slide to get around the tag. Two to nothing, Houston. Jordan Alvarez, next batter, steps up, rips a double, three nothing, Houston. And they would go out visit Lance McCullers on the, or excuse me, visit Lance Lynn on the mound. Uh, he ends up getting out of the inning, but at that point, it was up to the Chicago offense to try to do something against Lance McCullers, and they were unable to. Uh, the Almecada, I believe, had a single there in the fourth inning, but other than that. Uh, lots of ground outs from Lance McCullers. He certainly uh, is not a guy that you're expecting to rack up strikeouts, but soft contact is absolutely his thing. And he's got a nice pitch mix. You know, he throws, I believe, fastball, slider, curve, and he might even mix in a little bit of a changeup, but fastball, curve, and then the sliders is the pitch that he's added. Uh, and just looked really good he had some real nasty nasty pitches with a lot of glove side movement uh, anyways in the fourth the Houston offense was not done as Jake Myers with another single uh, that would then lead to a Jose Altuve double so now we got second and third one out Another mound visit, they allow Lin- Lance Lynn to face Michael Brantley, who rips a single, both runners score. It's 5 nothing Houston, and that would be it for Lance Lynn. Uh, his final line, three and two-thirds, six hits, five earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Not the ideal start, especially against... Excuse me, especially against this, this offense that we just know is so, so potent uh, with Houston. And yeah, 5 nothing after three and two-thirds. They bring in Reynaldo Lopez, who does end up getting out of that inning. Uh, Chicago still unable to do anything against Lance McCullers in the fifth. To lead off the bottom of the fifth, your Don Alvarez hits a solo home run. It's six to nothing Astros now. That would be the extent of the Astros scoring, but they score in every inning from the second through the fifth. And from there on out, I mean, it was the Lance McCullers show. This guy works himself into the seventh inning. Final line for him, six and two thirds, four hits, no runs, no walks, four strikeouts. Uh, if I was going to give a player the game, it's probably Jordan Alvarez or Lance McCullers. I mean, this White Sox lineup they put out was pretty legit. I mean, you look up and down the lineup, they went Anderson, Moncada, Jose Abreu, Yasmani Grandal, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez. I mean, for a top six, you'll be, it'll be hard to find, I don't know, five teams that, that can do a better than that. Uh. And yeah, so really impressed by Lance McCullers. Really impressed by Jordán Alvarez. They both stepped up big. The White Sox do end up getting a run in the eighth inning. They get a Tim Anderson, or he singled, and then Jose Abreu was able to single later in the inning to bring him home. Uh, but that would be the extent of the scoring. Astros win six to one they take a 1-0 series lead and in today's game two it will be the pitching matchup of Lucas Giolito and Framber Valdez this game will be at 2:07 p.m. and I'm very excited I'm not sure how much of it I'm going to be able to watch it is parents weekend at college uh, my mom will be here. Uh, not sure how much I'll be able to watch of it, but very, very excited to at least uh, follow along on my phone because I love watching for Amber Valdez pitch. Lucas Giolito has been very solid this year as well. Certainly not what he was doing in the 2020 season, but he had a pretty good season uh, this year and Tony LaRussa hands him the ball uh, for game two. Oh, yeah, I forgot. There was one stat I wanted to bring up heading into this game one of the ALDS. So, Dusty Baker and Tony LaRussa, managers of the Astros and White Sox respectively, had managed against each other in the regular season 208 times, I believe. And they had gone 104 and 104 against each other, which is just crazy to me that they have been managing for so long, so many different teams that they've been on uh, facing each other and to be split right down the middle. Uh, pretty amazing, but that split, of course, will be broken in this series as it can only go five games at the most. So one of those managers will come out on top. As of right now, it's looking like Dusty Baker and the Astros, but uh, this is a must win for the White Sox as game three will bring them back to Chicago. Uh, If they can take one out of two here in Houston, uh, it's a huge, huge win to be able to then go play game three and four in your home stadium, potentially go up two to one with a uh, series clinching game four in Chicago. So uh, look, if Houston wins, they're, they're uh, looking really good. I don't know if they, I mean, up to nothing is certainly nothing to sweat about. Neither team has announced starting pitchers for game three, which will be Sunday night at eight o'clock, but very excited to see what the rest of this series uh, brings for us. And uh, yeah, that's just it for my little section here. Thank you, LJ, for doing Ray's Red Sox. Uh, Sorry about the split show here, but uh, yeah, guys, thank you
2: all for listening and uh, we'll see you tomorrow.